Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Intelligence Squared. I'm senior producer Connor Boyle. We're diving back into our discussion on how to stay healthy throughout a long life with neuroscientist and best-selling author Daniel Levitin today. Daniel appeared back in 2020 to discuss his book, The Changing Mind, A Neuroscientist's Guide to Aging Well. Joining Daniel for this episode is journalist and author Camilla Cavendish, and her book is Extra Time, 10 Lessons for Living Longer, Better. If you'd like to hear the final part of this three-episode conversation, you can support our mission to foster honest debate and compelling conversations by heading to intelligencesquared.com slash membership or subscribe to our channel on Apple. Let's rejoin the discussion now with Camilla Cavendish asking what is the importance of sleep in a healthy lifestyle. You talk about the sort of circadian rhythms and how they change, and I think you're an early morning person, aren't you? I am, yeah. So you stick to that. You, you say to yourself, I don't, I don't care what else is going on, I'm just going to get up at 5.30 in the morning and Pretty much. not party yeah. at night. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is tough, but I guess that's, that's, but that's the, the recipe for success. Well, it's, it was tough at first, but once I got my biological clock entrained, yeah. that I'm going to get up at 5:30 and go to bed at 9:30. Yeah. Uh, it you know it took it was a, it was a rough few months, but once I did it, it was easy. Let's talk about work because there's a whole debate going on here and in the states about you know should you work longer? If you work longer, are you keeping younger people out of a job? I'm fascinated at the moment by the fact that in the U.S. presidential election. We have a huge number of leading candidates who are in their 70s. When you're in the States, I mean, academics, I would say that academics, judges, and politicians just don't seem to have an age bar. So when I went back to Harvard, I went back to Harvard 25 years after I'd left, and the guy who taught me is now in charge of the program, and he's 83, and he's just as sharp as he ever was. So in the States, there seems to be this sort of who was free that? pass, a guy called Richard Zackhauser. Um, it's a free pass in those professions. But in other professions, we say, no, you can't possibly work past 55. You know, people are being made redundant. So are we, is your argument, because your argument clearly is the same as mine, which is we need to work longer... Um, and because you're talking about all of that, everything you've said, you know, curiosity, keeping active, it means you need to keep having a sense of purpose. Should we have any kind of age limit in terms of the big jobs people can do, like being president, or is that actually just no longer relevant at all? And if it's not relevant, should we just raise the age bar for everybody else, do you think? Well, I would like to disagree with one thing you said, respectfully, which is that... um, Age for politicians is an issue in the current election. There's been a lot of talk about how the candidates are too old Mm. uh, and talk about how maybe the current president is too old. So that has been an issue in many quarters. Um, But, um, you know, the question of whether there should be an age limit 
Certainly for things that are physically demanding, that require a lot of lifting and carrying, right. no, no matter what kind of uh, shape you're in, at some point your body is not going to be able to do the things you could do when you were younger, manual labor type things. But if you're talking about more artistic or intellectual or public policy type things, yeah. I think it's important to make this distinction here together. The number of years you've lived your chronological age is not identical to your physiological age. And we see over and over again people who are 60 or 70 on the clock, but who have the bodies and minds of 40-year-olds. Uh, and, you know, in, our, in my country, uh, you know, President Kennedy um, had terrible health problems. Uh, I wrote a piece about this for Market Watch, which is the Wall Street Journal's digital edition, and it came out over the weekend. And it listed all the health problems he had, um, all the different medications he was taking. Oh, yeah. He was taking an antipsychotic for a while. He was taking powerful painkillers. He had a bad back. He missed a lot of days from work. He was 38 years old. So, you know, the conversation really shouldn't be about what's your clock time. Mm. It's, it's what's mm. your physiological time. Mm. And, and tell us a bit about why you think it's so important to go on working. What, what is that doing in the brain? What is that doing for your psychology? Well, so my advice is don't retire. Unless, of course, you're in a job that's dangerous or, you know, if not inherently dangerous, dangerous to you because it causes great stress. Mm. Um, and if you do retire, I say retire to something. If you're going to retire from something, retire to something else, which might be tutoring or volunteering yeah. um, at a hospital or at a school. But why is it important? Um, neuro, from the neuroscience standpoint, um, there is not just one thing. First of all, um, having a sense of purpose and feeling valued is very important to brain health, uh, not feeling cast away. Mm. Having uh, that to motivate you actually kickstarts your immune system. The residual amount of stress, the minor amount, for some of us anyway, not all of us, but the, you know, the, the, the minor amount of stress of just having to get up at a certain time and groom yourself and you know, actually go and, and be at a certain place at a certain time That stress is, is you know, not all stress is bad. That amount of stress is necessary for your immune system to function properly. Uh, and then just having to do what you and I are doing right now, meeting a new person, having a conversation with that new person, that's enormously important because it's the most complicated thing we know of for the brain. Yes. It's more complicated than brain surgery or right. rocket science having a conversation with somebody you don't know uh, or the, with whom you disagree about something. And what about exercise? Should we just touch on that for a moment? Because it clearly what do is you do? very important. Well, there are some people in the audience who actually know what I do, so I can't lie. It's very clear. Um, would, I, would you have lied otherwise? Well, I might have, I might have, over, <laughs> I might have overclaimed. Um, I have done something for years which you would approve of called British Military Fitness, which is outdoors, which is sort of running around getting muddy. And, you know, and I, I, I know all the stuff about aerobic exercise is, is good for the brain and so on, but when I read your book, you also have a point about being in the outdoors. And, in fact, Michael Merzenich, another neuroscientist, you know, has, has talked a lot about 
instead of running on a gym machine, you know, kind of literally navigating with your feet, having to run over stuff. And I remember he had a story about his mother getting furious with his mother because this poor woman could barely walk down the street, but he kept saying, don't walk on the pavement, take your shoes off, because it was, he believed, and I don't know what you think, that, you know, it was very important for her feet and her brain to kind of, her brain to be constantly checking for obstacles and sort of challenging her her body in that way. So, I mean, that's a sort of long answer to what you asked, but that's basically what I do. I've become a big believer in um, getting out in nature and moving around, moving your body in nature. Um, So the biggest differences in uh, health, uh, especially among older adults, aren't whether you put an extra 20 minutes on the treadmill in a week Mm. or in a day. The biggest differences are whether you just get up and walk around, particularly in nature. And um, this is based on Michael Merzenich's work. Uh, mm-hmm. A new book came out in October by Barbara Tversky, one of my mentors at Stanford. My colleague Scott Grafton just published a book called Physical Intelligence. And there's an increased appreciation among neuroscientists that the body helps to inform the brain and mm-hmm. shape it in positive ways. Think about walking barefoot or walking even with boots on, on an uneven, unpaved trail. Um, Your feet have to make hundreds of micro-adjustments every hour that you're walking, um, changing in pressure and angle. And um, all of the neural circuitry devoted to that constant adaptation, to taking in information from the environment... Um, registering whether that was the right move or not. You know, you step on a rock and you didn't realize it was loose. What are you going to do? All of that is, is tremendously helpful. The events calendar is filling up here at Intelligence Squared. And to create each one, we obviously rely on some brilliant guests and onstage talent. But behind the scenes, there's also a producer, a production team, and the budget in the mix too. You've got to keep an eye on all of that stuff in one place. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because it's super easy to get started. NetSuite exists in the cloud, you see. No hardware needed. So you're cutting IT costs too. That's why over 37,000 companies have already made the move. And now by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-the-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash squared. That's netsuite.com slash squared. netsuite.com slash squared. Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation 
of George Orwell's classic. 1984 was pretty cool. And I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. Should we just look at what's on the horizon? Um, I mean, there are many, many sort of new inventions coming down the track. Um, One that you mention in your book is neural implants. Um, Another one that that both of us have looked at is is calorie restriction and some of the anti-aging drugs that flow from that. So do you just want to talk a bit about those? Sure. Uh, All three? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, calorie restriction is related to the anti-aging Yeah. Um, So um, neural implants, um, we already have some. They're called cochlear implants. They're basically uh, intelligent digital devices that uh, help people who are deaf to hear. They tend not to work for people who have hearing loss uh, in older age. They tend to work best in young kids uh, who are are deaf, and they can learn to communicate uh, more or less normally. Um, And on the horizon, there are clinical trials on certain kinds of implants that will help people with memory impairment that may be brought on by Alzheimer's and other disease. They're promising. We have not neural implants, but implants for insulin pumps for people with diabetes so they don't have to test their insulin all the time and give themselves shots. So this is a very promising area of medical research, and I think in the next 10 years we're going to see a lot there. Right. Um, There are ethical issues to talk about, uh, Mm -hmm. but that's a separate discussion. Mm. Um, The second thing you asked about was uh, caloric restriction. There's very strong evidence in animal models that um, restricting your calories, skipping a few meals, um, or just eating less um, stresses the body out in a beneficial way. It causes the immune system to work smarter and harder. Um, We don't have, to my mind, convincing evidence that it works in humans, but it's one of those things that, like the brain games, we don't Mm. see any harm in it. And everybody I know um, in the neuroscience and aging community uh, has has started doing some form of intermittent fasting or caloric restriction. There's no evidence that one works better than the other, but there's no evidence that they work at all. But... It's so, one of those things yeah. that doesn't hurt. So a lot of people that I've met are, have given up trying to do that because they get too hungry. And what they're doing, which certainly was my problem, um, what they're doing is they're taking some of the new drugs that are trying to mimic exactly what you said, the effects of caloric restriction on the body without David Sinclair having does this. And David Sinclair, yeah. who's become a good friend of mine through this, he, he does exactly that. I mean, this is an amazing... This is a scientist at Harvard, extraordinary. He does actually look significantly younger than he is, I mean, to the point where it's kind of spooky. And he is quietly taking a, a large number... I mean, I've got a whole chapter on this in my book, but, you know, he's taking a large number of things, some of which you can buy and some of which you can't. Um, right, he told me that he's, you know. <laughs> he's, he's skimming off the supply that he gives to his mice. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, yes, yeah. he is. 
And, and, you know, you laugh, but these mice, and by the way, old mice, because, you know, if you're an 18-month-old mice, you're, mouse, you're basically 65, these mice have become sharper and faster and leaner and, boy, you know, you kind of want to be one of that. Yes. Um, so um, intermittent fasting can be difficult, just to cover that. Yeah. But oh, yeah. um, one thing that's been working for me is I just don't eat if I'm not hungry. Right. Uh, every once in a while, I'm not hungry, and I don't eat just because it's, it's time to eat. I try to eat smaller portions. Uh, and then uh, I have uh, Cynthia Kenyon, who's an aging researcher. She tried the intermittent fasting. She just got hungry. Now she does, she's always changing it up, but I think she does a 12-hour fast now. So she doesn't eat between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. Yeah, I had several conversations with her. She's an amazing woman, and she now works at the very secretive Google a startup called Calico. So, in fact, she does not talk about what she's doing there. This is she a woman. She did talk about it for my book. Okay. Oh, good. I'm sorry, I missed that. But, <laughs> but she's. I mean, she is one of these people who, what, 30 years ago, was looking at worms and basically discovered a gene mutation that meant that they could live not just live longer, but get less frail at the end. And you're right, she has done the intermittent fasting. She's also given up chocolate, which is... Um, I can't imagine. No, I mean, it's, it's very impressive. But anyway, there's something, there's, something, there's something interesting about that coming down the line. I do um, want to come back to David Sinclair. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I talk to a lot of people about David Sinclair's... Mm. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got a best-selling book, and he's a very respected scientist. And the evidence is incontrovertible in mice. Uh, yeah. Caloric restriction not only stops aging, but reverses it. But on the other hand, um, I talk to a lot of medical researchers who work on depression and pain and cancer, and about 92% of the drugs that work in mice don't work in humans. Um, And a large percentage of the ones that don't work actually cause harm in humans. And so I talked to uh, Francisco Serra, who's the head of the National Institutes of Aging in the United States, and a very uh, open-minded but serious researcher. And I said, are you taking these uh, things that David Sinclair is? They, They work in mice. He says, there's only one reason I'm not taking them. I'm not a mouse. I'm not a mouse. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I think each of us has to decide how much risk we can live with. Um, There are things like uh, vitamin E and fish oil tablets that were touted as um, healthy and cancer preventatives, and it turns out they actually increase Mm, your risk of certain cancers. Not vitamin E uh, and fish oil when they're taken in food, but when they're taken in supplements outside the context Mm. of the hundreds of micronutrients that usually accompany them. So I I got no quarrel with David doing it, but if he's telling other people to do it... No, I'm just just interested because I think... I think he may be on the cusp of something. He may be on the there cusp, is one, but there is one very he may be wrong. Try. He may be totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. In which case, he may look, you know, 20 now and be dead tomorrow. I mean, that's what we don't Well, know. that's the thing. <laughs> that's exactly it, that we don't yeah. know what... It, nobody studied it long no, enough. We haven't got the data to know He what, could what's get some happen. virulent form yeah. of cancer yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, I right. hope he doesn't, so but... Right. Yeah. There is a, there's one very interesting drug, though, which is already on the market for diabetes, isn't there, with the world's first anti-aging trial is about to happen near Barzillai in, in the States, is this is a drug which 
is given to diabetics, but actually seems to have effects beyond diabetes. You're talking about metformin? Yes. I started taking it so for that, just that reason. Uh-huh. Aha. Yeah. Okay. So but, that, that is a more, at least that's prescribed drug, which, you know, doctors prescribe routinely for certain things, don't Well, they? so metformin is a different case, because although it initially was shown to work in mice, uh, it's been prescribed to diabetics for 40 years. Yeah. So it's a drug we know a lot about. It does have side effects, but they're well documented. Uh, But you're right, it's a very new use of it in non-diabetics because it's believed to mimic um, some of the features of intermittent fasting. Everybody I know in the field started taking metformin. There you are. And and I did too because I think it's one of those things that doesn't... Like yeah. intermittent fasting, we don't think that it hurts. Okay, so we've got so so the, so far of the, all the things you're you're telling people, suggesting that people should do. So exercise is good, going on working, having that conscientious, curious mindset, and possibly taking metformin. I think you need to check with your doctor. Check with your doctor. Right. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I don't mind uh, confiding to you because you seem like a friendly crowd. Uh, <laughs> my my doctor gave me a thousand milligrams a day to start. Uh, and um, he told me to take two in the morning. And what it does is it lowers your blood sugar. And I was not able to get any work done. Uh, I mean, I, I was like a zombie. Well, you're getting up at 5.30 with your circadian rhythm thing, so you're already tired, then you're... De- yes, I mean, gosh, I can imagine. So I talked to David Sinclair about it and others, and they said, well, you ought to take it at night so the drop in blood sugar won't show up during the day when you're trying to work. Thanks, David. Why didn't my doctor tell me that? So I started taking it at night, and I still had the same problem. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just cut it in half. 500 is the normal dose. My doctor put me on a double dose. So when I cut it to 500, everything was fine. I don't notice it anymore. Well, you're looking good on that. Thank you. So these things are dose-dependent, and everybody's body is different. Whatever the doctor tells you, it's based on some average of a whole bunch of people who are not you. Exactly. Um, before we break Do you the take questions. metformin? No. Why? Because I have no idea how to convince my doctor that I'm diabetic when I'm not. <laughs> well, you Is should call truth? my doctor. He'll prescribe it as okay, a preventative. Well, it's always easier in the States, these things. Right? Well, actually, yeah. He, he could write a prescription in the States that you could fill when you're at Harvard. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I don't so, get invited to Harvard. Let me... Anytime. Let me ask you one more question, then we'll, we'll open to the floor. Um, I just wanted to, to, to raise something else, which is that we have this group of people who are living healthier, they're living longer. We have another group of people in our societies, particularly in the US and here, who are not. I mean, they are, we're getting multiple chronic disease, we're seeing type 2 diabetes, we're seeing cardiovascular disease. In fact, in England, I think now, if you're living in the southeast, you are going to have eight years more of healthy life than if you live in the northeast. Now, to me, that is... That is shocking. Say it again? Well, you're going to have eight more years of healthy life on average if you live in the southeast of England, which is more right. prosperous right. than if you live in the northeast. Um, and I worry about the, in- the inequality, and I worry that this is going to grow unless we do something about it, and I wondered how you felt about that. Well, I, there, there are these uh, inequalities that uh, are traced to socioeconomic status, to childhood stress, to the weather... Uh, to uh, diets and movement, this whole Mediterranean diet fad, my read on it is, and blue zones, the so-called blue zones, the the, the six or seven places in the world where people live exceptionally long, 
it's not just what they're eating. They tend to be more active. They're moving yeah. around in nature. And it's not everybody in those blue zones who's living longer, just a few. Uh, I worry about the inequalities in health care that's provided and in the inequalities in information. All of you have access to this information that we're sharing with you that's cutting edge mm. and has not trickled down to the average person. But there are people all throughout this country and the world who don't have access to the information. Yeah. The Internet has, has made it a little better. But the thing I worry about is that alongside all the true information on the Internet, yeah. there's a lot of disinformation. And um, that's the biggest problem. Dr. Google doesn't always get it right. Right. Thanks for listening to Intelligence Squared. This episode was produced by Hannah Kay with editing from Tom Hall. Sign up to Intelligence Squared to enjoy our third and final part of the discussion. Just head to intelligencesquared.com slash membership.